the sound of heaven touching earth. The sound of heaven touching earth. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Um, I pray that you just come into this place, Lord. Flow through this place. Touch each and every one of us, Lord. Pull on our hearts, Lord. Tug on our hearts, Lord. Let your spirit speak to us, Lord. Speak to us, lead us, and guide us, Lord. I pray that that we only focus on you, Lord, especially that when we're worshiping, Lord, and that we understand that everything is yours. And that's when true worship, spirit, and in truth begins, Lord. I thank you in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Good morning, everybody. We know that uh, COVID is just a season, so we'll be able to meet and greet and how we normally do as family, as brothers and sisters when they see each other, give each other hugs and all that good stuff. But uh, right now we have to hold off (laughs) till the government says it's okay. (laughs) And even if you're one who doesn't like the government, scripture says we must respect those in authority so let's not rebel but let's uh let's let's just follow the orders amen Amen. this morning i wanted to receive uh tithes and offerings and if you studied kingship at all um something interesting that i saw or was reading into um what happens when a king stands up does anybody know what happened, like, if you see in the medieval movies when the kings, yeah, we bow down, yep, Any, anybody else? Sorry for the, welcome online, this is question and answer time. <laughs> but normally when the king stands up, it's because things are out of order. So things are like, you know, he's like, wait a minute, what is happening in the kingdom that, uh, You know, what's this chaos? Why is it out of order? Usually when the king stands up, it's not good. We better, that's why we bow down, because we better recognize, like, uh uh-oh. We done done messed things up. So something to remember is when he rose out of the grave, he stood up and he said, this is out of order. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty upset. I'm standing up, and devil, you better watch out for my uh, princes and um, princesses. I'm coming. I'm coming to set the kingdom in order. This is not what it was supposed to be like. So he's angry. But the amazing thing, amazing thing, and this is why it ties into um, even just finances and time and energy. Mark 16, 19. It says, after the Lord Jesus had spoken with them, and this is after he's risen from the grave, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. So the opposite is the same when the king sits. He's like, oh, now things are in order. He sits at the right hand of God now. And the responsibility he leaves to you and I 
He says, I need you. I remember fighting just last week, <laughs> fighting with God, saying, I don't want to. I don't want to be nice anymore. I don't want to, when people are being mean, to be nice. Like, no, this is, I'm done. I don't want to talk to strangers. I don't even want to talk anymore. Like, there's no need. And God, if you, there, there's two things. Sorry, I'm not preaching today. But there's two things that, that happens uh, in salvation. It's, it's when we approach Jesus. Oh, and then when Jesus approaches us. And normally, most of the time, we're not ready for it. But he approached me, and my back came against the wall, and he said, Mary, I need you. I was like, no, you don't. <laughs> I tried to talk back to Jesus, and I said, no, you don't need me. You can do this all on your own. Like the whole world and the galaxies and everything, and it all spins when, when you speak. So what you need me for? He said, no, I need you. You are my vessel. I need to use you as a tool, as an instrument. Your voice, your voice, people will hear. He needs us. We are now responsible for our children and our grandchildren and the generations to come and bringing his kingdom, his principles here on this earth. Do we want him to miraculously come and do everything for us? Of course. But then why are we getting up and going to work? Why are we doing everything else? Why do we need to read? It's because he's doing something. He needs us. He's, he's inside of us. He says, I need to use your body. I need it. I needed a body to enter this earth, which why he came into the Virgin Mary. I needed a body to live for 33 years to show that, that I can redeem you. We needed a body on that cross. If no body went to that cross... We wouldn't be here. We, have no, we would have no idea. We needed a body to raise up from the grave so that we can say, yup, he did exactly what he said. And now the body of Christ sits at the right hand of God and he tells us. He's sitting down now and says, I've given you principles. I've given you laws. My laws are perfect. I've given you instruction. Read it. Follow it, and you are now responsible. Get things done. You bring heaven down to earth. So when we even speak to each other, we are in charge. We are our brother's keeper. It's a famous question. Am I responsible for the one sitting next to me? Am I responsible for the ones being born after me? Am I responsible? Yes, we are. The answer is yes. He needs us. He needs us. And if anything, if you guys have your phones out, pencils and papers, vision gives pain a purpose. So if you have vision of what's ahead, of things to come, it doesn't matter if your bank account is in pain. It doesn't matter if your body's in pain. It doesn't matter if your heart is hurting. It will give our pain a purpose. It will say, you will tell your heart, don't worry. We're going to be okay. You are going to tell your bank account, don't worry. It's going to get filled. 
don't worry, my brother. Things are going to be okay. Don't worry, my sister. Friends in this place have vision for the future. Don't be so wrapped up in what's going on here and now. Because Jesus now sits down. He's the king, and he has sat down. He says, I've given you orders. I've made it in order. Now, you guys just got to keep it running. That's it. That's it. We just got to keep it running. We don't have to uh, come up with all kinds of new ways and new ideas and new. Yes, it is time for us to be creative, to reach other people and, and to attract the generations who come before us, for sure. But we just have to follow the laws and the order of God. Amen? So let's bow our heads. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for, God, every penny, every penny deposited multiply it a hundredfold for the hand that is releasing it and trusting in you. Every produce and box we've distributed in September, Lord, and they are even extending it now into October, multiply for those who are in need. Multiply right back. Remind us of what you do with so, so little. So little, we don't have to be afraid of being little or having little because you can multiply it. You are a miracle-working God, the one who makes a way, the one who has given us order. May we follow you all the days of our lives and lean in closer and closer and closer rather than pulling back more and more and more. God, have your way this morning. In Jesus' name, we all pray. Amen. Amen. This video covers the two most successful techniques I use to graft figs and many other types of fruit trees. The most reliable grafting technique I use is whip and tongue. Start by selecting a one-year-old scion of about the same diameter as the rootstock. Make a single bevel of identical length in both the scion and the rootstock. Check the cuts to see if both bevels have the same length. Cut a tongue at the same point in both the rootstock and the scion. Keep the depth of the cut under control with a gentle rocking motion. Secure the scion firmly and maintain a good control of the knife when doing the tongue on the scion. The depth of both tongues should be identical. If the scion doesn't cover the rootstock completely, Place it to one side of the bevel. You can secure the graft using a rubber band. One advantage of the rubber band is that it stretches with the graft as it grows. Nevertheless, I prefer to use natural raffia as it allows a more firm contact and adjustment between scion and rootstock. <laughs> 
After a few weeks, the raffia will have to be cut, so it doesn't strangle the graft. Good morning. Good morning. So now you guys know a technique of grafting. So you guys, uh, I expect everyone to go home and, and graft and uh, bear many, much fruit. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, so, you know, as you guys saw in the video, um, we, you see there is a, a process here. And you know they cut off the branch, which I'm sure it 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 hurts the tree, and then he is putting in slits inside um, the branch, and it has to be exact. He said, right, for it to fit perfectly. Um, so, you know, there's a process, there's pain, uh, but there's also uh, much fruit that comes with this. Um, so, does anyone know the benefit of of grafting? Anyone? I didn't know until I did some research uh, for, for today's message. But apparently, uh, when you graft a tree, your fruit uh, comes out much quicker versus a, versus a seed um, that is sown you know, for, the, for the tree. Um, so uh, normally, it takes 8 to 10 years when you plant a seed for a tree to grow and, and bear fruit. But with the grafting process, uh, apparently it only takes two to four years. So it's a cutting it down almost less than half of the time. Um, and also, a tree from the seed, the, the, the flavor and the size of it is, you know, you're going to get some that are not as flavorful, as sweet, or what it's supposed to, you know, taste like. But uh, with the grafting process, it's done to actually improve the taste and the size of the fruit. Cool, huh? So um, anyway, I thought that was pretty neat to, to learn. Um, so Romans 11, uh, verse 16 through 18. For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off, and you, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them became a partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree. Do not boast against the branches, but if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. So, here, you know, in Romans, uh, basically the scripture is telling us that there had to be a branch, you know, br broken for us to be drafted in to the kingdom, to the children of, of, of God. And, uh, and it says here, partaker of the root and fatness. The root is Christ. Amen. And we are being grafted into him. And the fatness is all his blessings. You know, the good part. Just like when we saw in the video when the branch cut off that white, you know, juice, whatever that is, that's, that's you know, the fatness um, of the tree. Um, so, next scripture I have is Romans 8, verse 16 through 17. The Spirit himself bears witness 
with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. The life of faith is full of challenges, full of distractions, um, full of difficulties and, and trials. However, since we have been drafted in to with the Lord and the children of God, uh, we now uh, have also the inheritance as heirs, as uh, the scriptures uh, just shared, to have all of the, the covenants, all the promises, all the blessing that the Lord provides. Amen? Amen. All right. So, uh, this morning's title is Grafted into Victory. We're going to talk about victory. You guys want to be victorious? Yeah. All right. So, we're going to talk about victory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for being here, Lord, to speak to us this morning. Father God, I just ask you to um, use me as your vessel to speak to your children, to minister to them. I pray, Lord, the seeds that you are planting this morning, Lord, will bear much fruit, Father God, to glorify your name, Lord. Father God, I just ask you to remove all distractions this morning so we can focus on you. Have your way this morning. We love you. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 All right. So, um, so hopefully this gave you a kind of good idea to the intro, you know, grafting. Honestly, I didn't know what grafting looks like until, you know, I had to prepare for this message. So uh, it's pretty cool to see the process and to see how the scriptures also relate exactly, you know, shows us exactly uh, what this video uh, showed us. So recently, as some of you guys may know, uh, I took on a new hobby and it's uh, mountain biking. Um, you know, I, I first tried to do the road bike and, um, and you know, we would go down the riverbed and it was cool, it was fun, but the first couple times, the first time actually I, I, I did it was the, I think the most windiest day in California. <laughs> and sure enough, coming back, I was like, I am going to sell this bike as soon as I get to my car. I was over it. Uh, but I did it because, um, you know, uh, uh, hold on on the pictures. I did it because I wanted to, um, you know, spend time and fellowship with the, with the boys. Uh, so sure, you know, and then I tried it a couple more times. I just, it wasn't for me. Um, so I decided to sell it. And later on, some of my other friends at work, they're, you know, they've been mountain biking for some time. And I was like, oh, cool, I get to jump with the bike, you know, be in, in, in nature where, you know, where God created beautiful, you know, environments, the smell of nature, you know, I enjoy those things. So, so all right, let me give that a try. So I bought a used bike from a buddy of mine and uh, I start going out to some of the local tra trails and, uh, and just riding. Um, of course, you know, uh, I fell a couple of times, it just comes with it. Uh, and it, it hurts, but you know, you, you, there's stuff that you can wear to protect yourself. So there's this one specific trail. It's uh, located in uh, South County. It's called uh, Whiting, uh, and the, the mountain is called Mustard. And this, this trail, this mountain, is almost half a mile, and the grade has got to be close to like 40, you know. 
So you're going up like this for a good 20 minutes. And the breaks you get are maybe like, you know, maybe like seven to 10 feet, the size of your bike, and then you're going back up. So it's a very challenging mountain. And um, so I tried it the first two times, um, learned that the bike was too small because I didn't do enough research. So I'm, you know, I'm pretty tall. So the bike I had was a large and it, all the details matter, even though they're so like incremental, it matters, it makes a difference. So the first, you know, two times I went, okay, you know, uh, never made it. I had to stop like three times on the way up. Uh, me and my buddy Ng, the rest of the guys go up there because they've been, you know, riding and they can endure now and they're strong. But me and my buddy Ng, we just could not make it up the mountain. We would stop three times and our goal was, okay, now two times, then one time, then all the way up, right? So, um, but anyway, my older bike, uh, you know, one, one day, um, and this is a place where it's known for mountain lions. Um, in January of 2020, a family of six were walking down the trail and there was a three-year-old boy and the mountain lion came behind the boy and grabbed it from its neck. And luckily, the, the father was able to act quickly and swing his backpack at the mountain lion. So when he hit him, he let go of his son and grabbed the backpack and ran up the, the tree. And this backpack looks heavy, like looks like there's, you know, water bottles that dad's carrying and all this stuff. Like it was, and then there's a video, you guys can look it up. And he's in, and he's in the tree with this backpack in his mouth. I'm like, man, like how powerful are these things? Yeah, you're probably thinking, why would you go there, right? <laughs> so, uh, but it's like the coolest trail, you know, locally, it has an amazing downhill. Uh, there's wildlife everywhere. Like last time I went, there's two deers that just jumped in front of me, right in front of the trail. Uh, I like that. I like those things, except, you know, when my life's in danger. <laughs> so, so, uh, the, so the first, uh, it was like my third time up and I'm like, all right, I'm feeling better. I think I can do this. I'm going to beat my goal from the last stop. So I get there, I get on the bike and all the details matter. Okay. My seat post did not work. So I drove 40 minutes to get to this place to ride and, you know, challenge myself on the way up and then enjoyed the downhill. But my seat post would not stay up. So if your seat post is not like all the way up, you have to use all your muscles, right, that God's given us, your quads, your hams, your calves, all of that to be able to, you know, go long distance. But my seat post fell all the way to the bottom. So I'm here, you know, pedaling with just using my quads to go up this thing. You can't do it. You can't. There's a reason why he gave us all the muscles. You just can't do it with just, you know, one part of it. So here I am, I tried, I'm like, I'm gonna do it. I, I, you know, I make it up like 20% of the way. There's no way, my quads are on fire. I'm like, nope, I'm, this is done, it's not meant for me. My luck, Ing wasn't with me that day. The other guys went up the mountain. So I'm in the middle of the mount, like mountain. And the boys make fun of me because I carry a backpack, weighs probably like 30 pounds, and inside my backpack I carry bear spray. You know, they think I'm, they, they make fun of me. I, I don't care. Well, that day, guess what? I had to use my bear spray. So I pull up my bear spray and I'm walking up this mountain with a bike and my, so now you can share that picture uh, with the bear spray. And I'm telling it's actually harder walking up this mountain 
than, than um, riding up the mountain, right? And I'm by myself, and this is like six in the morning. There's no one out there, and I'm, list I'm hearing all these you know, sounds and things moving around, and I learned that mountain lions, you can't hear them. They're very quiet, and they can be right next to you, and I'm just going crazy. So uh, I get to the top. None of my friends can say they've walked up the mountain with a bike, and I'm the only one that can say that. So I went up the mountain, made it to the top with my bear spray. I have no shame in my game. So as you see here, and with my cool shirt, uh, you know, uh, so anyway, I make it up there, and I'm exhausted, and now you need legs to also go downhill. You know, you, you still need strength, so I'm tired. So obviously going downhill, um, I didn't really enjoy it that much. Second time I go, um, with, Ing was with me. Um, so, you know, again, this is a 40-minute drive, right? So I'm like, okay, now I got my new bike. It's the right size. I got all my gear. I'm excited. I'm going to make it past my goal, right? The seat works. I checked everything, all right? So I, so I, I get there. So you can show the next picture. I forget my shoes. I'm so mad. You don't even know. They said Moses with his slippers going up the mountain. So my, that's my buddy Ing in the back with the red bike. Those are uh, people we don't know. They're probably making fun of me in the back right there saying, who's this guy? So I am so upset at this point. At this point, I'm like, you know what? It's just not meant for me. I, I'm not meant to make it up this mountain. Uh, I'm just going to stick to the local Brea Trail. Uh, so anyway, um, obviously I went all the way here on my new bike. I'm going to go up this mountain because I want to come down, you know, and enjoy it. So um, again, I was able to, you know, ride the bike. The, the seat worked. Everything worked. Me and Ing, we stopped twice again. I got a little further, but we had to still stop, you know, twice. So uh, anyway, we go up um, and... Uh, I'm just thinking if there's any other uh, embarrassing moments. Uh, and I think that was it. So the next time, we, I think we did it one, one other time where we had to still stop twice. Um, so we finally, um, thank God, uh, were able to make it uh, with shoes, not, not with the sandals, right? But that would have been cool if I, you know, Oh, I, I'll never forget, like, I'm going up, I'm riding up, I'm dying, and this guy's flying by me, he's like, you got sandals on? I'm like, really, bro, you had to, like, like, I know I have sandals on, why you gotta say, why you gotta point it out, man? So that messed with me even more, I'm like, I'm, I'm just over it. So, but we finally did end up making up the mountain just recently. Uh, oh, actually, before that, I'm sorry, this view here. So, this is before I made it up. This is... 15, maybe 20 feet from the top. So before I made it up, I took a picture of where I fell short. Look how close I got. But look at this angle too, you're seeing clouds. So this is real, this is not a joke. So I'm 20 feet away from reaching my goal and I, and I failed, I couldn't do it. I tried to turn, I, uh, Brother Raymond taught me this thing where you go side to side, it, it relieves you know, pressure from your legs. As soon as I tried to turn one way, the bike fell. Oh, 
I was like, no way, my legs were jelly and I couldn't feel anything. Uh, but look, look at that. So in this moment, it was frustrating because the enemy was very loud in this second. Enemy start telling me, this has been your whole life. You come so close, but you can't get to the goal, you know? And start really messing with me. Um, I start believing it. I was like, man, you're right. This, is, this has been my life. I get to the top and um, I just start praying to God. I said, this is, this, is, this, is not, this is not the truth. This is not the truth. I know what you've delivered me from. I know that all that you do in my life, this is not true. But the enemy kept you know, being in my mind. Um, even on the way home, driving home, like it's over, right? The bike ride's over, and then I'm thinking, he's still telling me, like, you know, you're in your marriage, in your fatherhood, in your work, in your business, you just never made it. You know, all the stuff that you wanted to accomplish, you were never, never able to make it. So, I think some of us have experienced that, right? Where he tell he tells us lies and. And, and we try to believe it at times, especially when it's right in front of your face. Like, man, he's right. I'm right there, and I can't do it, right? Uh, but, but the Lord was also, you know, really carrying me in that moment uh, so that, you know, I don't allow the enemy to take me where he wanted to take me. But the good news is our Father is victorious, and we are heirs, we are children of our Father, and we inherit all that He offers, and that's victory. So the next picture, thank goodness, we, uh, like I shared, this is my buddy Ying. That's the smile of victory. We were able to make it up the mountain. Uh, the next picture is uh, before, right before this. So Ying makes it up right on the right side. He makes it up, drops the bike, and runs to the log to sit down because he is done he is done and this whole time i'm messing with him like a like a bad friend i'm like Ing, you made it how does it feel i'm trying to get him to talk he could the guy could barely breathe in this moment he's about to you know faint and then he finally comes over after he rests and um and then so where i'm sitting there's benches this picture is from so the last time he went he actually was able to also ride the bike up to the bench versus just you know to the top so um, so victory, victory is something that is available to us, and, um, and we'll talk about that. So mountain biking is cool. If you haven't, if you're looking for a hobby, it's a great exercise. Um, you do have to deal with some wildlife, uh, but just have faith, amen, amen? and carry your uh, bear spray. Bear spray. Yep. <laughs> um, so. The three different areas I want to just talk about today in, in victory is uh, first, victory over our enemies. Um, secondly, victory over our critics. And lastly, victory over temptation. So we'll start off with uh, victory over your enemies. I want to share uh, the scripture in Mark 
Uh, Mark chapter 5, verse 24 through 34. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged on him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for twelve years, and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When, the, when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude throng, thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. So, this kind of reminds me of what I experience on the mountain, right? Here's a woman that has been physically dealing with something serious for 12 years. 12 years! My bike, my bike journey was only like two months, and I'm dying, right? This lady, for 12 years, is dealing with this. Um, and it says in verse 26, suffered many things from many physicians. So she went around during this time trying to find a doctor that can heal her, right? And many physicians. That she went to everyone that she can think about or, or come across. But then it says that she spent all that she had. So imagine, like I was, like I experienced, when my seat post didn't work, right? I lost hope. When I showed up with my slippers, I lost hope. When I almost got to the end, I was like, that's where I felt hopeless, right? Same thing with this, with this lady. Every time she went to a physician and she had to pay to be seen and to be healed, she kept losing hope. Can you imagine? Just, picture, just put yourself in that position. You go, you pay, you're, you're, you're hoping that you get healed, but you don't get an answer. You don't get any healing, right? And she did this for 12 years. Talk about enduring. Talk about, you know, going after it. Um, and at the end, it says she, but, uh, but rather grew worse. So her, her issue got worse and worse as time passed, right? And that's because she was, you know, every time there's no hope. I mean, every, and, and then all financially, you know, put, giving all that you have, investing all that you have to be healed. Um, so it must have been, you know, she must have felt exactly how I felt um, at the end of it. 
she probably felt hopeless, right? After 12 years going after it, um, she felt hopeless. But thankfully, she came to our Savior. Amen? And, uh, you know, she, if you, th if you think about it, um, she went to every physician or tried everything in this world to be healed, but nothing would heal her except our Lord and Savior, right? Um, so the tactic of the enemy is to steal the hope that our Father has provided. The tactic of our enemy is to steal the hope that God has provided. In Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you a future and hope. Our Father gives us a future, gives us hope. And the enemy knows that really well. And his goal is to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to steal that hope, right? He wants to steal it from us because it's going to destroy us once he steals it. So how did she find victory? How did she find victory? She didn't know God, right? Because for 12 years she went to every other source except for Christ. How did she find victory? The victory for this woman came from not giving up. Please write that down. You write down my victory over my enemy is to endure and not to give up. Amen? Imagine, she was willing to keep investing and keep going, traveling, and seeing all these different physicians to be healed. She was able to endure. And again, without knowing God, this lady is going around and not giving up, being relentless and willing to put everything in, going all in to be healed. Can you imagine us knowing, being in relationship with our Father, having access to our victories through His Word? Can you imagine us? Like we should be certain in our victories. Certain. Right? But we can also learn something from her. She never gave up. She always continued to go after it, to find the, the source, right? And I think about my salvation, how I, how I, I, how I met the Lord. It, was just, it, it wasn't not giving up. I can't really say that, but um, I came to a point where I remember clearly saying, I've tried everything my way, and I've done nothing but failed. So if you're real, I need you to help me, show me how to do, how, 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 you know, what, what is it that um, you have for my life? And he showed up, right? And, um, and just like this lady, he, she knew if she was, um, was uh, able to just touch him from what, he's, what she's, you know, heard, she would be healed. And her faith, 
made her well, right? And just to imagine, like, again, it's so funny how God's using my mountain bike experience because here, too, the humility it took her to go through the crowds in her condition to be healed, to be victorious, right? Same thing with me. I freaking walked up the mountain, you know, went up there with sandals, you know. So um, it's amazing how the Lord, um, Lord works. But so now... Um, let me see. I don't want to get off track here. So everyone wrote down, the victory over hopelessness is not giving up, right? Um, and know that we're not alone. We are not alone. He is there with us, and He is going to help us overcome whatever it is that the enemy is trying to do to us. Uh, so remember that we are not alone, and He will provide the strength that we need as long as we're willing to, you know, keep fighting and not giving up. Amen? Amen. Amen. So the next area is um, victory over your critics. Critics. So most of you guys have uh, read the, uh, the story about Lazarus. Amen? And uh, Lazarus was the brother of Mary, who, if you guys all, I'm sure, heard, who anointed Jesus with the, with the oil and wiped, wiped his feet with her hair. Um, that's uh, Mary was Lazarus' sister. So Lazarus, uh, as you guys know, um, you know, he, he, he died from uh, being sick. So uh, Jesus was with his disciples and um, he, he got word that Lazarus is, you know, sick, not feeling good, and is towards, you know, the end of his, of his life. Um, so, at this time also, if you guys remember, the Jews are after him, after Christ, and, and the disciples, right? So, as soon as he finds out, he says, we have to go, right? We have to go see him. But the disciples in this, in this moment, they're... Just imagine what they're going through. They're thinking, you know, it's far away. He's far away. By the time we get there, from the condition that he's currently in, he's probably not going to make it, right? So they're losing hope here, right? And, and um, there's also some danger and risk involved in, in traveling and being seen, right? Because the Jews are looking for Christ and, and, and them. So you can only imagine that, you know, man, you know, Lord, I don't think this is, the best idea, we won't have enough time to make it there to help him and save him. You know, that's how I would be thinking, you know. I don't want to go out there and, and you know, get shot at or, or get killed, right? Like, he's not going to make it. Um, you know, let's just, let's just continue doing what we're doing here. Um, but the Lord was not going to give up, regardless of what, what risk was, was involved. Uh, he knew where he had to be, and he was able to teach and show his disciples here that uh, we can't lose hope. We got to go regardless of the risk and, and be with Lazarus and, and, and the family. Um, so John 11, verse 19 through 27, and many of the Jews had joined the woman around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. 
Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are Christ. You are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. In this conversation, Martha, I felt like she lost some hope when she said, you know, uh, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection day, right? So not hope that, he can, that Jesus can heal him right there in the moment and, and raise him back to life, right? So uh, I sometimes do that too, you know, like when I'm praying for something, like it can, you can make it happen now, but I know you'll make it happen later at your time, you know. Uh, here is the same thing. Martha, uh, you know, believes in the resurrection, right? She knows she has the knowledge of the resurrection, right? So here you can tell that um, the Lord has been obviously teaching and preaching about resurrection, right? About resurrecting. Um, so now we have some critics um, that are trying to trip, uh, a trap and trip, and also make Jesus fall, right? So in the book of Matthew, um, chapter 22, verse 15 through 46, just picture this, this, this moment. The same day the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him and asked him, Thank you, Baba. Asked him, saying, Teacher, Moses said that if a man dies having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were, now there were with us seven brothers. The first died after he had married, and having no offspring, left his wife to his brother. Likewise, the second also, and the third, even the, to the seventh. Last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife of the seven will she be? For they all had her. I love this part. Jesus answered and said to them, You are mistaken. That's pretty confident, right? The first thing for him to say, You are mistaken. You're wrong. Let's just start there, right? You're wrong. You're mistaken. Um... It says, you are mistaken, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels of God in heaven. So guys, enjoy your marriage. Because in heaven, there is no marriage. It says, we are angels of God in heaven. But concerning the resurrection of the dead... Have you not read what was spoken to you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the multitudes hear this, they were astonished at his teaching. 
So here you have these statuses, you know, imagine in front of everyone trying to, um, trying to set Jesus up, right? Um, so critics like to operate in public. Just think about it. If you're a critic, right, right, you want people that are around the situation, right, to believe what you believe versus whatever that one person believes, right? So the satisfaction to them doesn't come if there's no one around. There's no satisfaction for the critic. The critic wants to prove everyone against this one person, right? That's where the satisfaction is. The critics need their evil doings to spread like wildfire, to create an overwhelming condition for the person that they're criticizing, right? I think some of us have experienced that in the past, right? Um, they want to put it all over social media, all over, you know, Facebook, Instagram. It's not enough that, you know, they prove their point or, or they don't, right? But they have to just share with, with everyone. Friends, right? Family members, um, even church. Did I say church? Hold on. I did say church, yeah. Even church. Help us, Lord. Um, the critics are criticizing Jesus in hopes of him disbelieving, doubting, and, come, and being shameful, feeling shame, right? They're saying resurrection. How's, it, how's, that, how's that possible? Like, we have, you know, one lady, the, the husband dies, then he goes to the brother, then to the brother, right? And they're trying to use this and say, then who's going to be, in, you know, who's going to be married in, in heaven? But the Lord knows the truth, right? And it said that you don't know the word of God, right? That's what he said, you are mistaken, the confidence, because he knows the truth. That's, how, that's why he can speak so, so confidently. Um, tells them that you don't know the word of God or the power of God. Amen? Um, you know, it's hard. I, I think all of us here have, may have experienced shame. You know, it's really, really tough. And, and our critics that like to shame us could really, you know, we can allow ourselves to be in, you know, in a very dark place, in a lonely place. Um, I don't know why, but I'm going to share this short testimony. I think it was fourth grade. So you're like, what, like nine years old, I think, in fourth grade? I went to a private Christian school, Armenian school, and uh, the classrooms, most of the classrooms were like in little bungalows. And, uh, you know, fourth grade, uh, we're out on the field playing around, having a good time, boys, girls, dodgeball, this, that. And for whatever reason, I don't know how this came upon me, but I think some of the boys like dared me to like, you know, show like my underwear to the girls, right? And I'm like, and you know, I'm like, I want to be cool. I'm going to show you guys I can do this. So I did. I just, you know, maybe lifted my shirt up and showed like my top of my underwear. 
And oh my goodness, that thing spread like wildfire. So these girls, these critics, went and told my teacher. And this was like, I think, if I remember correctly, it was like the first like couple of weeks. So everyone's just getting to know each other. You know, the teacher doesn't really know your name. So we sit in classroom and the, te and the teacher <laughs> tells us, who's, 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 who's Gary, right? So I stand up and then he confronts me in front of the whole class. Did you do this? Yes. And I kid you not, this man, he was like six, seven, I think, or maybe I was very short, I don't remember. But he grabbed me and he threw me against the wall. And it's a private school, you know. Um, it doesn't give him any excuse to do that, but he threw me against the wall like, how dare you? And in that moment, when I was thinking about shame, like that'll never, I'll never forget that, you know, never forget that. I was so shameful. And after that day, I never wanted to go to school. I didn't want to go to that school. I didn't want to see anyone from that class. And sure enough, like here and there, years later, when I would see some of the girls that, you know, told on me, it was, I was like, if I felt the shame, you know, I felt the shame. And, um, it just leads you to a place where you just want to be alone. You don't want to ever see those people, you know? And um, so, you know, that, that, that's, uh, a, you know, a time when I really felt shameful. Uh, there's other times too, but that's the one that always comes to mind. And it was the first couple of weeks and it, I, was, I was scared. I was scared and I didn't want to go back. I don't want to see any of them. And it was, you know, it was kind of innocent, but it wasn't. But it's like, come on, you know. Yeah. Um, anyway, so shame can. They were what what these what these Sadducees were trying to do is have Jesus take his words back about resurrection, right? Or take his words back, um, uh, doubt himself, and then obviously those things will lead to shame. So it's important to to, to know the word. Um, so how did Jesus, uh, I already, I think, shared this, but how did Jesus, how was he victorious over these critics? He knew the truth, right? He knew the truth. Um, so let's write this down. My victory over my critics is knowing the truth about my father. So my victory over my critics is knowing the truth about my father and who he, who he says I am, Amen. right? So knowing our Father, and what, who does God say we are, right? So it's important to know that. Amen. When we know the truth, the critics lose their strength, right? They lose their power because they can't shame me anymore because I know the truth. I know my Father... And I know that he says I am his, I'm his son and I'm, I'm made in his son's image, right? I can be righteous, holy, right? I don't have to uh, believe what the enemy is telling me. I can be victorious just like he showed me on that mountain, right? When the enemy was telling me, nope, you're not going to be able to do it. But I had faith knowing that if I kept trying and didn't give up, that I'll make it up the mountain. And I didn't have to deal with any more shame going up that mountain. 
this past Friday, <clears throat> we had an awesome youth service. Like, awesome. Because our awesome brother, Carmelo, came and shared. Uh, amen, you can give him some love. Shared with the youth at the park. God just keeps, I mean, man, like, every time we come to seek and be with the Lord, get ready to be moved for him to reveal some special things to help us in, in our journey. <clears throat> and he spoke to, he shared his testimony to the, uh, to the youth, and God revealed how important it is to know the truth, just like he knew the, the truth here in this situation. And um, because without the truth, the enemy is going to be speaking to them, right? And they're going to believe it just like I believed it on, on my experience. Um, I feel, you know, we got to keep our youth in prayer. This is a very loud, noisy world full of distractions, full of distractions at their fingertips. It was a lot harder for us growing up 20 years ago. 30 years ago, right? But today, it's right there at their fingertips, on your TV, on the commercials, all over. It's really, really hard. So keep them in prayer. And, um, you know, so how do we know the truth? We know the truth by reading the Word of God. That's the only way, right? Um, as parents... We have to, guys. We have to. And I know we have busy lives and schedules, but we have to. We have to. Not only pray over our, 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 our children, but we have to make sure that they're reading the Word. We have to make sure. That is the, probably the most, is the most important thing we can do and the most valuable thing we can do for our kids. They have to read the Word of God on their own to build and establish that personal relationship with God. That's all they need. So in the mornings, when we, when we used to clothe them when they were younger, right, with, with their clothes on, we have to clothe them with the armor of God to protect them, right? Instead of the first question in the morning being, Noah, did you brush your teeth? Because he forgets or wash his face, right? Should be, did you read the Word? Right? Amen? And, um, and always stay on top of that. You know, thankfully, uh, for a season, we were consistent, me and Julie, with the kids, that you have to read the Word in the morning, right? When you wake up in your bed. I don't care if you're half asleep, if one eye's closed, you've got to read the Word of God. And uh, consistency, not giving up, right? Even though some kids may not enjoy reading. I never enjoyed reading, but I knew if I wanted to honor my father, as much as at times, you know, when I came into salvation, I'll read the whole chapter and maybe get two, three words. But my pastor was there to continue to encourage me, and that's what we should be doing to our children, encouraging them that, hey, don't worry, just keep reading, even if it's two, three words. Those two, three words he'll bring to remembrance one day and it's going to help you when you're, in a, when you're in a struggle, when you're in a challenge. And those words are going to give us victory. Amen? Amen? So, again, uh, I, I just want to remind all the parents, I know we forget at times too, but now, as we're, we've been consistent 
and almost like, hey, you live here, you're going to read the word. 10 minutes? 10 minutes, right? You're going to read the word of God because it's so easy for uh, the enemy to keep us so busy that we can't even give God 10 minutes. So we have to almost say, hey, you live here, you have to read the word of God. That's the rule in my house, right? And by doing so, the amazing thing is, as we all have experienced, we get revelation, confirmation, direction from the Word of God, and truth, and confidence, and all these things that God wants to do for us, right? Give us future and hope. The only way to do that is by reading the Word of God. When we went to Israel, what I learned is, you know, the number one priority for the Israelites, for their children, the first five years, memorize the Torah. Memorize it. I wonder why. I wonder why. Memorize? I can't even remember what happened yesterday. You want to memorize? But look at them now. Look how successful these people are. You know? So, again, please always remember to tell the kids first thing before you put your clothes on brush your teeth read the word spend some time with your father joshua 1 8 keep this book of the law always on your lips meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it then you will be pros uh, prosperous and successful that's Joshua 1.8. I was telling the youth on Friday, I go a couple of days without the, reading the Word. I'm scared. I feel vulnerable. I feel disconnected. A couple of days. And then God's the Spirit's convicted. Like, hey, you know you need me. Like, why are you ignoring me? Yeah. Right? Because I want to replace it with working more. I want to replace it with resting more physically. I want to, you know, replace it with so many things, right? But I think we all feel the conviction of the Spirit when we are starting to get distance from our Father. And imagine our kids, you know, our youth struggle, guys. It's real. It's real. And without it, you'll, it's, it's not a safe place. It is not a safe place. So parents, please, again, we just have to. That's a standard. That's a, that, that, that's, that's, that's a requirement. There's no negotiations. Amen. We can't negotiate with the truth of, of, of God. We have to know the truth. So, again, victory over our critics is knowing our Father and who He says we are. Knowing the truth. Amen? Amen. Uh, lastly is victory over temptation. Ooh. Ooh. You guys ready for this? Anyone deal with temptation? Amen. Temptation is a part of life until we no longer have a body of sin. Right? So it's going to be something that we're going to deal with until we make it home. And it will be tempted to commit sin. Right? Um, to commit sin is to um, consciously do something that we know goes against the will of God, right? We know it's wrong, but we do it, right? That's, that's when we're sinning. Um, 
It is when we are tempted by the lusts and desires that dwell in us and we consciously agree to act on that temptation. But in reality, every temptation is an opportunity to overcome sin. Amen. You know, two, two, I think two Fridays ago, I shared with the youth, and in 1 James, God you know, helped me see temptation in a different view. Have you guys ever looked at temptation as an opportunity? So when you're tempted, right, to do something against God's will, we should be looking at that as an opportunity. And we should be filled with joy in that moment because we get to be victorious over that temptation and, most importantly, honor God. Amen? Right? So, again, um, look at it as an opportunity. Right? Not like, here we go again. Uh, I, I'm just going to do it and ask for, and then repent from there. You know, or, you know, um, you know I, there's no way I'm going to be able to, to do it. Just one more time. Right? Just one more time. And, and then maybe I'll, I'll be good. This is, this is the temptation, right? But instead of it approaching it like, I know what you're telling me to do. I know what physically even feels good. And I want to feel that right now. But in that moment, you're going to say, nope, Lord, we're victorious. You're going to walk away from it, right? So I'm going to use Joseph as my example for temptation. So most of you guys know, son of Jacob, he was one of the youngest ones. I think he was the 11th son out of the 12 that he had. His brothers, as you guys know, hated on him, were jealous of him, and they were going to kill him, right? But instead, they sold him off to um, slavery. And uh, then Joseph was sold to, um, to Potiphar, right? Potiphar was an officer in uh, the kingdom of Pharaoh. Right, who was the king of Egypt. So Joseph was very successful in all that he did in Potiphar's home. He took care of everything, you know, all the day-to-day things that, um, that Potiphar had to do. Right? And God um, really blessed uh, Joseph in, in, you know, during this time with, uh, you know, with success. So he basically, Potiphar just made him oversee uh, everything that he owned, right? He, he trusted Joseph, and he just said, here you go. So let's dive a little deeper. So in Genesis 39, verse 6 through 20, thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had expect for the Sorry, did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And it came to pass after, excuse me, these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look. 
my master does not know what is with me what is with me in the house and he has committed all that he has to my hand there's no one greater in this house than I nor has he kept back anything from me but you because you are his wife how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God so here imagine guys right she's saying come lie with me right and the temptations right in his face right no one's home just him and her and who knows if he you know I mean he obviously no one's in the house and it's just him and her and he hasn't he's being prompted encouraged to just fall in fall in sin but here he says how then can I do this great wickedness he identifies how wicked it is that it's sin right and then he follows up and says against God so he identifies the temptation that's going to lead to death right sin leads to death and then he's the first thing is but I can't do that to my father he wants to honor God right he sees an opportunity to honor God as much as his flesh may want to do it right um, so verse 10 so it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not heed her to live with her or to be with her but it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was inside so I went a little ahead of myself but here she's prompting she keeps you know every time they pass by in the hallway hey come on you know like in his face like man like it's hard right the flesh may want it but he's he's fighting he's not giving up um, but it happened about this time verse 11 when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was inside that she caught him by his garment saying lie with me but he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside And so it was when she was when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside that she called to the men of her house and spoke to them saying see he has brought in to us a Hebrew to mock us he came into me he came into me to lie with me and cried out with a loud voice and it happened when he heard that I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled and went outside so here she's she, you know here she's turning the story so she kept his garment with with her until his master came home then she spoke to him with words like these saying the Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came into me to mock me so it happened as I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled outside. How evil of her. Yeah. Oh. 
So it was when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me after this manner, that his anger was aroused. So Potiphar is obviously angry due to apparently, you know, the disloyalty, the dishonesty of, of Joseph. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in, in the prison. So, how was Joseph victorious? How was he, how was he victorious over this temptation of lying with a married woman? He knew the word of God and he ran like it was life or death. So he knew the truth. He knew that it was wrong. He knew it was sin, right? And he ran like it was life or death. The boy didn't run to his room and lock the door. He ran outside the house. He kept running. He didn't go next door and lock, lock himself in his room. He had a room there, right? He ran outside and took off. Deuteronomy 22.22 If a man is found lying with a woman married to a husband, then both of them shall die. The man that lay with the woman and the woman, so you shall put away the evil from Israel. So when I say life and death, that's, he knew the word of God. He identified sin and he wanted nothing of that. So he ran. He knew the truth and he ran. So please write this down. My victory over temptation is the word of God and the willingness to run from it. Yes. The Lord's asking us to be active. Walk away. Run away. Don't answer that call. Don't put yourself in an environment where you know you're going to be tempted. Yes. You know, yesterday me and my brother were talking about how God's removed so many people from our past. So many people. And we were talking about how we don't even want, like, we pray that we don't even see them in the streets. We may be living in the same city, going to the same mall, but we pray we don't even run into them. Right? Right? So, we have to be able to run also. So we know the truth, we know sin, and the Holy Spirit helps us, right? He convicts us and tells us, hey, you know this is not right, right? In that moment, you have to be active. You have to, it requires effort. One word that I've always shared with the youth and, and God's always put this on my heart is effort. Yes. Effort. We have a part in this. Just like Mary when she was taking time and offering. He wants to use us to, to, to do what, he, you know, what his plan is. Right? So we have to run. You know? Remove all those people, all those contacts from your phones. You know? Just... We have to, um, we have to know the, the word of God, and we have to be willing to run. And at times it might be tough, but it's the best thing for us.
Amen? Um, and again, the Holy Spirit leads us and, is, um, and helps us overcome these temptations. Right? He helps us. He ministers. He counsels. He tells us which direction to go. He tells you to run out of the house. Not next door, but out of the house, right? Um, it's a couple of different areas. Um, you know, finances, money, right? Um, it's very tempting to put our security and trust in money. When you think about your bank account, when you have a couple of bucks saved up, right? It's easy for us to, man, I got this much money in my bank account. I'm good, right? Be careful. Amen. Be careful with that. Because our trust is in our Father. He is the provider of all that we have. Amen? So just be cautious of that. Uh, second area is... Um, is um, Oh, loving your enemies. <clears throat> it's really easy <clears throat> to um, speak death in your heart about your enemies. Right? It's a temptation. We all, right? I mean, if someone does you wrong in your heart, it's easy to say and celebrate when you hear something bad happens to these people, when they're going through something. It's easy in our heart to celebrate and be joyful yeah they deserved it sometimes we'll even say god you know what you're doing no it's not from god right right so in these positions situations we have to pray for them we have to pray for them instead of celebrating the challenges and the struggles that they're going through regardless of what they've done to us right and lastly, um, uh, being generous, right? We got to be generous, guys, just like our Father is, right? He blessed us more than we deserve. And it's very tempting at times when you're hanging out with the boys, you know, and... Um, your father tells you, bless him. And then you're, you're stopping and you're thinking about, when's the last time he blessed me? You know? <laughs> Hold on, let me, let, me, let me rewind. The good thing about me is my memory is horrible. So I'm just led. Um, but, you know, you think, I mean, come on, if we can be honest, right? We're like, when, when's the last time he blessed me? And, um, you know, why should I bless him? But those are temptations that we deal with. Um, but the Lord tells us it's better to give than receive. So we have to, you know, be obedient. And it's tough at times, right? Um, sometimes we don't have enough, right? Uh, sometimes we do. Uh, but we just have to trust the Lord. That, you know, when He tells us to be generous, be generous. And um, be obedient. Um, also, you know, being generous with the poor. Right, um, and this last feeding Brea um, has been such a blessing to the city, to all the volunteers. I only got to volunteer one week, and it was the best 
best encounter I needed. It really allowed me to see God work, you know, like physically see God work. It's so easy when the enemy keeps us so busy, um, we, we miss what God's doing, what he's feeling, you know, what he's restoring, what he's healing. And I, I, I'm telling you, like I had to watch Noel, that's why I, I wasn't able to join uh, the other weeks, but man, when we were there, like you saw, you know, there's so much need, you know, there's so much darkness in this place, but we saw, um, you know, one thing, he broke my heart, and man, I love that feeling. I love that feeling. I don't like to be comfortable. It's, it could be a very scary place, very um, dull place to be comfortable, but when I saw it, and I encountered it, and I experienced it, I was like, wow. I kept telling him, I promise you, when I first saw the 14-year-old girl, as we're putting food in her car, and, they're, they're, and, someone, and we were praying over uh, the mom and her, I see her just crying, broke my heart. And I said, keep breaking it, keep breaking it. Because we get comfortable. It's easy to be comfortable. But God is good. <clears throat> God is faithful. Um, and I pray that we have faith that we have been grafted in by our Father that has already claimed our victory. Please, please, we have to believe. We have to believe you're already victorious. We know the end. We know who we're serving. We know our Father is victorious. We've been grafted into Him so we get to inherit His victory in our lives over, over the enemy, over the critics that want to put us to shame, right? And the temptation that we deal with. And we're going to deal with it. As long as we're here in this physical body, we're going to deal with this, these temptations. But let's, let's approach it in a different way. Let's approach it and look at it like an opportunity. Amen? Versus being scared of it. There's no fear. There's no fear. We shouldn't be scared of any of it. We're all capable. And He's there with us. We're not doing this alone. We can't do it alone. There's no way. Um, so in closing... We just have to endure and not give up, right? We can't give up. We can't give up. There's no giving up. That doesn't exist in our vocabulary. And I saw it. You keep going for it, and it requires effort. You keep going up that mountain, six, seven times, you get stronger and stronger. You keep overcoming these temptations, you get stronger and stronger. And God uses that for your future. Amen? Um, and we have to know the truth the truth is the word of God we have to be in the word of God right? we have to know who our father is and who he says we are because a lot of us challenge with identity we did a whole series for the youth about identity 
you know? This is who your father, the creator of all, tells you who you are and what he has for you and all the promises, right? But if we don't know that, then we're going to be believing what the enemy's telling us. And we have to be willing to run. If you don't like running, start exercising. Run, run, run. If you get a call from that person, drug dealer, whoever it is, and you feel like, oh, you don't want to ignore them because they'll you know, feel bad, exercise on not answering, hanging up on that, on that call, right? If you know that this device these days are cell phones that give you access to pornography within seconds, right? Make sure you're not alone with your phone. Like, put it away. Like, just you know, blocks. All these security block. Do everything you can. And um, so again, like I said, finally, we don't have to go to battle against our enemy uh, or critics or temptation by ourselves. The Lord tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 4, for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. What an awesome father. We, we're not doing this alone. If we decide to do this alone, we're going to fall. It's going to hurt. But knowing that he's going before us and he's with us, and he's the one who's actually overcoming the temptation because we, we know he's with us. We're allowing him to, to give us the strength to overcome it. But then there's effort on our part. We run away. We run away from it, right? He's going to give us the strength to say no, but you can say no and stay in front of it, but your temptation is going to keep going. But as soon as you run, now you, it's not there. It'll come later. But at, in that moment, when you're tempted, it's not there. Amen? Amen. Um, if you guys could just, uh, let's, let's, let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Lord, we thank you, Father, for um, your word. We thank you, Jesus, for grafting us in, for calling our names individually, Lord. We thank you for covering us, Father God. We thank you for providing for us. We thank you for protecting us. We thank you for going in front of us, ahead of us, standing next to us and going behind us, Lord. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for reminding us that we are victorious, Lord over all of this, Lord, over the enemy, over the critics, and over temptation, Father, because of you. Use it, Father God. Our desire is to honor you, Lord. It's to bring glory to you, Father, because you are the worthy one, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for increase this morning, Father. For anyone that's here this morning or anyone that's online 
you know, if you feel like you're alone, you don't have to be alone. If you feel the enemy and shame and temptations that you just are struggling with, Jesus is the answer. And if you want to start claiming your victory over all these temptations that we struggle with, the source is Jesus, our Lord and Savior. So if anyone's here today, there's no shame here. We're in the house of God, of our Father. There's no judgment here. If you want victory over whatever that is that you're dealing with, whatever struggle, challenge that may be in your life today, we're all going through something. If you feel alone, you don't have to be alone. If you're in this place this morning and you, you're tired of just failing, you're tired of feeling alone, you're tired of being shameful, if that's you, just raise your hand and the Lord is waiting to help you to, to um, he's calling you he calls everyone so if that's you this morning here just raise your hand and accept Jesus in your heart and he will take care of all the rest there's still some effort on our part but he'll take care of the rest all the heavy lifting he will do he will give you the victory that he's already promised us and for all the viewers online, if you haven't accepted the Lord, just um, open your heart and tell Him, Jesus, I accept you this morning. Come into my heart. I believe you are the Son of God, Lord. I believe that I am a sinner. And Lord, I ask you to forgive me for my ways. And I believe that you came here and died on the cross for me because you love me, Lord. If that's you, if you said that prayer, the Lord will take on your burdens and bless you and show you the way. And Lord, I pray for all those people today that have accepted you in their heart, Lord. We know the enemy knows exactly the ones that are receiving you this morning, Lord. I pray that you continue to provide strength and bring brothers and sisters around these people, around your children that have accepted you this morning, Lord, to provide support, Father God, because the enemy is going to attack hard. To, again, the critic is going to attack hard to bring doubt, disbelief, and shame for decisions that they're making, Lord. I pray that against the enemy, rebuke him, Father, and provide your support your children need, Lord. We thank you, Father, in advance. And for everyone else here today that is just struggling with a temptation, that may be feeling alone this morning, the altars are open. Bring it all to our Father, bring it to His feet. He says, lay it at my feet. 
and He will make a light. Have your way, Father God. We thank you this morning. We love you. In the name of Jesus, amen.